The National Geographic Channel will present a program titled Code Breakers this coming Sunday, March 1st. The documentary tells the story of how passing and decoding secret information has sometimes changed the course of history. The show features experts in code writing and breaking, and we're happy to have one join us today. Dr. David Kahn is a historian of intelligence, particularly of code breaking. Dr. Kahn has taught courses on modern political and military intelligence at Yale and Columbia and has testified before Congress on policy matters dealing with cryptology. He is one of the world's leading experts on the history of cryptology. His thousand-page book, The Code Breakers, has been called a classic. In it, he tells the story of secret writing from the hieroglyphics through the Enigma machine of World War II to the crypto systems that make e-commerce possible. I'm pleased to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Dr. David Kahn. It's my pleasure. Dr. Kahn, I thought I knew a little bit about code breaking, but I did not know that our third president, Thomas Jefferson, developed a system for coding messages that, uh, that was a good one and used for quite a long time. Yes, he, did. he developed this very unusual system, which kind of was forgotten for a long time. But then in about the 1920s, the United States uh, decided to revive that system and used it in the 1920s in the U.S. Army all the way up through part of World War II. So it was really a remarkable system and a very successful system and a pretty good system as well. In, in the 1800s, Edgar Allan Poe wrote a pretty good short story about code breaking called The Gold Bug, and I was fascinated by it. But I read a critique once, and I think it might have been written by you, that pointed out that it was right in principle but was filled with a lot of errors, but it did talk about frequency analysis, which is important to code breaking. He made a few minor mistakes, but the point of that story is how code breaking helps you win a buried treasure. <laughs> and everybody, of course, wants, wants to, you know, get that. And he, he, the story is his most popular story, and that seems to have sparked kind of a revival of interest in, of, in cryptology in the United States for a little while. And it remains his most significant and most read story even today. It's a, it's a wonderful story. He explains things very clearly, and uh, many people have read it and have hoped to win buried treasure. Nobody <laughs> else has done it, I don't think, however. But it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful story, and he was, of course he's a great writer. Yeah, the National Geographic special does mention that there is, a, there is one issue of buried treasure out there that, that, that's a famous code-breaking case as well. Yes. There's, there's that story about the Beale ciphers, in which three cryptograms exist. And one cryptogram was relatively easy to solve because it was based on the Declaration of Independence, the first letter of we hold these truths and all of that, like W would be one, H would be two, and all of that. And so that's the way that code was constructed. But although some of the messages have been solved, the key message, which says where the treasure is to be buried, has never been solved. <laughs> and my belief is now that that third message is just a hoax. Some guy wrote those messages, made it up to appear as if it were a legitimate message, and in point of fact, it's never going to be solved because there's nothing there to solve. <laughs> so it's just some kind of a hoax. Well, Dr. Khan, you've written, uh, you've written a book about one of the most, probably the most famous uh, code-cracking episodes in history, that of the German Enigma codes in World War II. There was a, a vast British effort under Alan Turing, and they, I guess they, I gather they captured a few of the machines, but that didn't help them that much. They had to do some really clever tricks to try and decode those messages. Yes, because the, uh, 
the gimmick in that machine, when that machine was uh, given and sold to the German Navy, the theory was that even if that machine were captured, there would be so many different combinations available to the encipher that the decipher, the guy who wanted to solve it, would never be able to solve those messages in time to be of use. Like it would take a thousand years to solve them, by which time, of course, the war would be over. So the machine was was sold to the German Navy that way, but the German Navy never reckoned with a guy of the brilliance of Alan Turing, who was able to figure out ways of solving those messages in those machines quick enough to be able to be used in wartime. And... Uh, that was one of the fatal flaws of Germany during World War II. I mean, we basically knew what the, where the U-boats were and all that. It was a tremendous advantage in the war. What the uh, solutions did was tell the Americans and British who were trying to get supplies across the Atlantic where the U-boats were concentrating in their, uh, in their wolf packs. And we were able, because we knew where Dönitz was sending the U-boats to concentrate in their wolf packs, where to circle around them and detour around those uh, wolf packs so that they would not be sunk by the U-boats. And it was a remarkable, a remarkable feat of intelligence, and it was much, much more important, actually, than uh, any information produced by spies, which people talk a lot about. What really impresses me too in the special, they show uh, they show how in an era before computers, they set up a machine that would duplicate what uh, what I guess today we do with sort of number crunching at the NSA and other people. But Turing set up this thing called the bomb that then that then was able to to crack it. Fascinating. It was fascinating, and he was he was an absolute genius, and of course he was a a early guy who invented uh, computers. And so he, this machine could be regarded as kind of a proto-computer, an early form of computer. Not, it was not programmable, and it just did one particular thing. But it did it very well, very fast, and that was one of the reasons the Allies were able to win the Battle of the Atlantic, by solving these German U-boat messages. And this special, too, uh, does talk about the fact that, you know, not, not all codes have been broken. There's a famous case of a cipher sent by the Zodiac Killer, it still is, is resisted to being solved, and, and I guess that's because it's, the message isn't quite long enough to be, really, to, to be figured out? Partly that, that the messages aren't long enough, and uh, the system appears to be too complicated to solve. And a lot of people have worked on it, not only NSA or the FBI and the San Francisco Police Department, but many amateurs have attempted to solve it, and nobody's been able to solve it. So I don't think it's a hoax. I think it's a legitimate messages and uh, nobody has ever been able to actually crack them. So I agree with you. There are a number of unsolved messages still around in the world. And I want to ask you, too, because it was quite, quite very much in the news a few years back about how, of course, e-commerce depends, your, your, your bank account depends on being able to make these transactions with unbreakable code. And there was much talk not so long ago about encryptation in computers that, that would not be, uh, that, that could not be broken. Is it possible to break any code or is some really resistive? There are many codes these days that cannot be broken. Okay. And uh, they're done by complicated mathematical formula, and they re require multiplying two very large numbers together. And it's a mathematical uh, fact that although it's easy to multiply, it's not easy to factor those two numbers to find out what the original, that long number, to, to find out what the original factors the two numbers multiplied together are. This is a mathematical problem which is troubled mathematicians for centuries, 
They haven't been able to solve it yet, and they still haven't solved it. So those systems which require multiplying two large numbers together remain resistant to code breaking. Yeah, there was something in the news about somebody worked out a way to do that, but I guess that was false and that was premature. It was premature. The, those, those systems remain invulnerable to code breaking through that factoring method. Well, Dr. Khan, I understand the National Cryptologic Museum has, has a collection of some code-breaking materials that you've collected over the years, which sounds pretty interesting. What sort of things did you place in the museum? Uh, well, I had that, uh, an example of the uh, Thomas Jefferson device, which he invented many years ago and uh, was used by the U.S. Army and in a different form by the Navy, and a number of other code code books which I had gotten, and a number of books on codes and ciphers. People don't realize that codes and ciphers go back in literature before even spies. The first printed book on codes is about 1518, but the first printed book which mentions spying is around the 1600s. So the literature of code breaking is much older than the literature of spying, even though people talk more and more about spying. But spies are not as important as codes. And if I may just say, the reason for that is when you get a message from a spy, you never are sure whether or not he is sending you a fake message. And this has always been the problem with spies. However, with codes, there haven't been any cases of fake messages being sent because it's too difficult. I mean, you want to meet your wife at a certain time and place, and those messages sometimes get screwed up. Imagine if you're sending a message by some general to some colonel on out in the field. He can't take a chance of sending a fake message because he doesn't know whether the colonel would think it's a real message and act on it. So the there have never been any uh, fake messages that I have, have discovered in years and years of looking for them. And the consequence is code breaking is a much more certain method of gaining information than spying. And that's what's happened throughout history. Well, Dr. Khan, we're, run we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you one question, which, which I, I, sure. being that you're an expert on code breaking, you hear two sides of this story about the Japanese diplomatic codes in World War II being cracked by the British prior to, to Pearl Harbor. And I've heard that they did, and I've heard that it didn't get, didn't get around. And, and where do you stand on that controversy? I stand on that controversy, uh, controversy as follows. The diplomatic codes were solved both by the United States and by Great Britain. But the diplomats were never told, even the Japanese diplomats in the United States, were never told that an attack was coming. So even if you solved those messages, you were not able to see whether an attack was coming because nothing was ever sent about an attack. And the Japanese were very good. They were smarter than us at that time. And they kept it entirely secret. And so that's why the Pearl Harbor attack succeeded because there was total Japanese silence. They, the codes that were solved never said anything about the attacks. So even people may say that the codes were broken, yes, but none of the codes ever said anything about the attack on Pearl Harbor, and as a consequence, it was not possible for either the United States or the Great or Great Britain to determine that an attack was coming at Pearl Harbor. Well, Dr. Kind, I appreciate your clearing clearing that matter up for us. Well, it's my pleasure. Dr. David Kahn holds a Ph.D. in modern history from Oxford University. He has written scholarly and popular articles on the subject of codes, cryptology, and ciphers in publications ranging from the New York Times to the Encyclopedia Americana. He appears in Sunday's National Geographic Channel special titled Code Breakers. 
Dr. Khan, thank you for speaking with us. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Let's take a short break. Mm-hmm.